The Free for All Roundtable. Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer. Near Canada's Wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think. Round one. On round one, Courtney Betty is here, Toronto lawyer with Betty's Law. Vass Bednar, executive director of the Master of Public Policy degree in Digital Society at McMaster University. Jerry Agar from The Jerry Agar Show, 10 to noon, right here on the Mighty 1010. Let me deal with some of the items that our guests speaker has had to deal with during his time in office. First, the pandemic. The greatest challenge that any Prime Minister has happened to deal with for Canada in 156 years. This is remarkable. And everybody says that our Prime Minister and our Premiers conducted themselves as well as anybody else around the world. How about the renegotiation of NAFTA? That is Brian Mulroney, who departed this world at the age of 84, but defending Justin Trudeau, which is kind of what Brian Mulroney was all about. Pretty well, any current and former politician will tell you once in a while their phone would ring and he'd be on the other end. He didn't, he didn't have a partisanship when it came to that. Uh, Jerry Agar, I'll start with you. Brian Mulroney, for me, is the first prime minister that I covered, but I actually looked after one of his kids in a day camp when he was first elected leader of the opposition. Was it Ben? Yes, I believe it was Ben. <laughs> really? Yeah. You babysat Ben. Yeah. Okay. You should have him on the air and talk about that someday. Once all and now. <laughs> well, all, no, but once all this has passed. Yeah. Uh, but um, the only thing I want to add, because so many people have said great things, and I'm sure our other panelists will, but it occurred to me this morning that because of what people who knew him say about him uh, in terms of how he dealt with people in the background and how he was such a people person, uh, and he was obviously very smart, and he had that voice, he'd have been fabulous at what we do. Oh, yeah. No, he would have made it. I mean, it was a good voice, but also yeah. he was a great storyteller. Well, that's what I mean. Like yeah. he, you know, he had all of the goods. You need to be a great communicator to do that job. And um, one of the things that Warren Kinsella in a column in the Sun talked about how he was actually in opposition, literally in opposition to Brian Mulroney. But he know he knew that when when Brian Mulroney met up with opposition politicians in the hall, he always had something nice to say, he always made them feel good. Yeah. Vez Bednar, we're hearing so many stories about, you know, how the phone would ring and somebody would answer and it would be the Prime Minister of Canada saying, I'm sorry to hear that your mother passed away. I'll let you take this any direction because um, my experience this morning has been most people tell personal stories and we've set a lot of the political stuff aside. But like I said, you can say what, what you wish. Well, I mean, I think it goes to elevating his character, right? This was somebody that I think had and has a lot of elegance in terms of how they approach the role. Once they were out of that office, they maintained a kind of high standard of integrity and caring for other people and sort of brimmed while they were in the role, right? It was it was joyful. It wasn't, uh, it didn't seem as maybe adversarial as sometimes we encounter uh, politicians now. He kind of felt like he embodied the role that he, that he held uh, leading the country. And Courtney Betty, two massive majorities, a lot of very significant policy accomplishments. And I've been spending some time today drawing the links between, I mean, the, the Titans were really in power back then. You had Margaret Thatcher, Ronald Reagan, and Pope John Paul II. Uh, Gorbachev, of course, with whom we can do business, as according to a quote from Margaret Thatcher. And then you have Mulroney as well. And they got stuff done. Well, they did. And, you know, when you look at Mulroney, the word that came out to me, and it's so interesting, the clip that you played, John, 
is the word ambassador. He really was a international, not only Canadian, but an international ambassador. You know, after Brian Mulroney, I was having a discussion with someone yesterday that actually had sat on a panel uh, with him dealing with uh, issues in uh, at the United Nations. And he continued this role of being an ambassador. And I think really and truly, um, you know, his place in Canadian history is cemented. And many of our politicians right now, the way that we're behaving, can learn a lot from, you know, Mulroney's success and how he acted. Well, they're worth noting, uh, not speaking ill of the dead, but Jerry Agar, people, I think, have this impression that the current tide against Justin Trudeau is unprecedented, that nobody's ever hated an incumbent prime minister this much. And of course, Mulroney got out while the going was good because his party was going to be run down, and it was, to two seats. Okay, uh, politics has always been nasty and dirty. And I don't just mean in the history of Canada, in the history of countries that go back a lot further with the political systems. Uh, I mean, you know, one of the one of the founding fathers of the United States, um, a story during an election was, oh, he's having an affair with a black slave. How did that come out about Thomas Jefferson? His yeah. political opponent made sure it came out. That was Adams. Uh, well, I'm, the I'm stuff not, they said about each other was hilarious. Well, uh, yes, yeah. it's unbelievable. I mean, do you think Churchill got along with everybody? No, probably not. No. But he was soused by noon, so. <laughs> and, and witty. <laughs> Let's move on to a few other issues. And uh, Vaz, I'll start with you on this one. Olivia Chow effectively yesterday uh, said, eh, what are you going to do? Uh, she said she would never have made the deal for FIFA. She resents that it's costing so much, but the deal is signed. The games are, are a go, so she's just going to carry the ball. Yeah, I think it's a good example of the oh well mentality, right? She's not, she's being open. She's sharing her feelings, her disappointment, the frustration. And she's saying, we made this commitment. So here's how I want to go forward. I want to try to be transparent. I want to have fun. I want to enjoy it. And let's do it. I think that's actually kind of great to hear from a politician. Okay, Jerry, would you have wanted her to step up to a mic yesterday and say, that's it, we're taking a pass? She's describing the situation she's in, yeah. I think. Um, I think she's also finding a way to say, hey, this thing could be a debacle, don't blame it on me. It's that other guy. I mean, that that's what she's saying, isn't it? I, I, yeah, Courtney Betty, it is sort of a break the glass strategy. Well, I, I, I just think that she's brilliant in terms of what she's approaching. And she's, first of all, as Jerry has pointed out, removing any possibility. Things go wrong. It was my fault. But knowing the mayor, she's sending a message out there, John, to, you know, the federal government. They haven't decided how much they're going to give yet. And secondly, to corporations that, hey, there may be an opportunity for you to come in and pick up uh, the slack that we have. So I, I think it's a brilliant strategy. Department of National Defense has suspended a worker, an employee, because as it turns out, he was also running a company which was contracted by the government on a RiveCan. Uh, Vaz, you're our expert on all things digital. Can I first ask you how, mm. how I've, I've never asked this question, how outrageous is $60 million for an app? So. Aside from the price, I mean, I think there's there's different competencies that we want to build up in government, too, so that when we are procuring, we can kind of have better guardrails and kind of a sense of what something could or should cost. We're also seeing governments invest more in their digital talent, right, so that we can build, they can build more in-house or build more in tandem increasingly, like with ArriveCan, we're delivering public policies through technology. But this instance, this instance of 
of procurement is nothing short of horrific, right? Um, I think it's going to stick in people's minds as being emblematic or the norm of how government works uh, when they're procuring something digital. And it's, you know, it's this outlier. I don't know what else we're going to hear from government in terms of it was the pandemic. We were moving quickly, you know, balls were dropped, but I don't know. I can't imagine the mood in Ottawa when you go and you're you're kind of working adjacent to that file or you know the people involved and it's like the trust, the people's trust that we've just sort of vaporized. I'm I'm very nervous for the next steps for our government when we want to do more things like this. Let me turn to you, Courtney, Betty, and it just, you know, sometimes you can get into trouble in an administration because you make a decision or you do something and you realize, oh, okay, maybe that was a bad idea. But how does somebody hire an existing civil servant to execute a project on the outside? John, there's just absolutely no excuse for this. And, you know, it's kind of interesting because I think we've now have this expectation that government is going to find a way to screw things up, create these bureaucracy, make these kind of decisions. There's no excuse at all. And I think Minister Anand, she's handled it properly. But you asked about the cost. I mean, I was involved uh, with a couple of countries that were trying to deal with this in the Caribbean. And they were able to implement systems that were similar for much lower costs. So, you know, this is just outrageous. But at the end of it, we're now expecting government to continue this kind of behavior. I want people, when comes an election, to remember that the Liberals voted 100%. They they only lost out because they have a minority government and the others did the right thing. The Liberals voted to a person to not have an investigation into a RIVCAN. And just the other day, when it was brought up by all the other parties, let's try and claw some of that money back on behalf of the taxpayers. The Liberals, to a person, voted no. I think they will remember that. Well, I'll help them. (laughs) Uh, The justice minister is defending arrest power against people who are feared to commit a hate crime. Courtney Betty, explain this to me. I I don't know how you, uh, you know, you apprehend that somebody's about to do something hateful on the Internet or elsewhere. And then, boom, you can put an ankle bracelet on them. Uh, John, I spent some time really kind of deep diving into this this morning, and I understand, you know, we've got the Wild West, that's the Internet out there. We've got to find a way to hold uh, many of these providers responsible. We've got to protect children. But this one, it's just kind of a very strange approach that we're going to say, we think you're going to commit a crime. I can understand the other elements. If you want to go before a judge and say, hey, you know, I want to get some form of restraining order because someone's printing something, or, you know, this introduction of the Canadian Human Rights Commission, the bureaucracy, it's, 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 it's just a lot of things thrown together. Um, but I find this part of it challenging. This is part of the online harms bill. And Jerry, just to return, I just I can't wrap my head around the idea of punishing somebody before they do something. It's the Department of Pre-Crime. I'm going to open on this at 10.05. There are times uh, when the police will catch on to something that's going on, a plan to blow up a train, for instance. Remember that one Um, with the Toronto, whatever they were called, Um, that kind of thing. Uh, You find out that a gang of people has a plan afoot to rob a bank or something. The police can step in. This does 
doesn't seem to be uh, quite that. It's uh, we're concerned about what we've seen you saying on social media or something, and we've decided you might be a potential problem. So, and so, or some citizen has filed a complaint against you. So we're going to slap an ankle bracelet on you and lock you up in uh, in your home. I don't want this kind of law being prosecuted by um, the government that brought the Emergencies Act in because they didn't like some noise complaints in a bouncy castle. But I also don't want to give this power to Pierre Polyev either. Vas Bednar, you're the digital expert. What do you say? I think it's an example of a poorly designed policy. I can imagine the intention, right? What's the objective? We want to have more deterrence. We we want to go more upstream. We want to stop these behaviors and activities before they happen. So here's our input. Here's how we're going to do this. So I think the objective, you know, I think a lot of people would align with that. Yes, more of more deterrence uh, are are desirable, but this one is kind of hard to fathom and compute, and I don't think it's going to play well with the public. Uh, Jerry, do you support the idea of a troublesome wild turkey being taken out with a slingshot? Mmm, turkey. Oh, they're not that good. Either. And gravy. They're wild turkey. They're and ugly little critters. Mashed potatoes. Yes. All right. So you're not you're not <laughs> shedding any tears was, for our was, dead turkey. No. <laughs> All right. We're out of time. Thank you all. Jerry Agar, Courtney Betty. Did David take him out? And Vaz Bednar. What's that? With the slingshot. Oh, the David and the slingshot. Yeah. Yeah. No, was, this all unfolded in Quebec. It's a uniquely Quebec story. I guess it could happen here. But uh, And the mayor put a bounty on it. It's 8 o'clock. At 8 a.m., this is CFRB 1010 Toronto. Catch the roundtable. Round one at 745. Round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.